0: On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at
1: Radio City. Here's Matt Pauly. A good Thursday evening to you and welcome into the program. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauly. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the AccuDent Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. Taking your phone calls, taking your text messages. You can also tweet at me if you'd like. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We are monitoring what's going on in the NLDS with the Cardinals and the Braves. The Cardinals took a 7-3 lead in the bottom of the ninth inning, and thanks to a Ronald Acuna two-run home run and a Freddie Freeman solo shot, It is now a one-run game all of a sudden, 7-6, and there's currently two outs uh, in the inning. So we'll let you know if this game goes final or if the game goes into extra innings. But what we're really here to do is talk Brewers baseball and talk about the end of the season, whether we call this the end-of-season edition or the first off-season edition, whatever we call it. The Brewers' season came to an end this past week on Tuesday night when they fell in excruciating fashion to the washington nationals the nationals in action tonight against the dodgers in the in the game you feel like the brewers should be playing in but they're not and we're here doing this show as opposed to brewers baseball being on the radio right now all that being said as we uh, get rolling with the program it is time for three up three down we it's uh, time do for the... three up three down
0: three things from the past week that are trending in the right direction and the three things the crew needs to work on.
1: All right, let's get this thing uh, rolling.
0: Number one.
1: I think you look at the Brewers organization overall, you can lament the fact that they played one postseason game this year. It was a wild card game. It's a one and done It almost doesn't even feel like you were in the postseason because you didn't get the opportunity to experience a postseason game at Miller Park, but the Brewers were a postseason team, and that's two straight years that they're in the postseason. It's the first time as a National League team they've made it into the postseason in two consecutive seasons, and it's just the second time overall in the history of the franchise. When David Stearns became the general manager of the Brewers, he made it very clear that he wanted to create a sustainable winner. And two straight years of the Brewers getting into the postseason growth every year, there's a lot to be said for the trajectory and the trend that this organization is on. Number two. I think you have to look at some of the young players who are making an impact. You know, if you want to be a sustainable winner in a market the size of Milwaukee, you can spend some money. You can bring in some free agents, and the Brewers have not been afraid to do that. I don't think they give the credit that they deserve for the amount of money that they've spent taking the payroll to heights that it's never been before, uh, signing players like Lorenzo Cain last off season, like uh, uh, Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal this past off season. But the bread and butter still has to be the ability to create talent that can be on the twenty-five man roster, and it come from your minor league system. And we've seen that, Colton. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you, you look at you look at the different guys who have uh, been able to create a uh, who come in from a from the minor leagues. Whether it's a Trent Grisham, and we'll get into Trent Grisham a little bit more. But all of a sudden, this is a guy who maybe a couple years ago. Uh, had it kind of stalled even going into this year, kind of stalled in the minor leagues, but he found a way. Keston here, obviously, that goes without saying that Keston here was able to come in and be an elite hitter right away. And watching what these guys are able to do moving forward, even the trades they made this past year, uh, to be able to supplement some guys that were in the minor leagues that you can kind of view almost as homegrown type talent because they're going to spend some time in the minor league system it's about being able to get guys who are controllable guys who have options whether you're bringing them up yourself or they're just spending some time in minor league system and them coming up and i feel like for an organization that quite honestly is not ranked very high anymore in the minor league rankings doesn't have that elite talent that uh, a Baseball America or an MLB pipeline is really uh, taking a look at. I think uh, you you see some guys that are still continuing to make an impact at the Major League level, and uh, that was an important part of this past season. Number three. Some people aren't going to like this one. I think we're seeing that analytically driven teams are, yes, continuing to compete at a pretty high level. Okay, the Brewers are done for the year. I understand that. Even the Oakland A's are done. But this year, you've got a number of smaller market teams that maybe don't push payroll as much as uh, some people would like. Brewers are middle of the pack. Teams like the A's and the Rays, they're down near the bottom of the payroll scale. And we're seeing teams find a way to compete in different ways. Now, you look at the Houston Astros, they do both. They are as good with analytics as any team in Major League Baseball and they also spend a fair amount of money. And that's, a, that's the perfect scenario right there where you're smart with your money. But we're continuing to see uh, right now in baseball where you are able to compete. You are able to uh, field a winner even if you're not in one of the biggest markets that's spending the most amount of money. Strike one. To, yeah, the three strikes as we do three up and three down. The first down, fans going after Trent Gresham on social media. Folks have got to be better. That wasn't a good play. I'm not going to tell you it was a it was a good play. And I'll tell you that it, it certainly did contribute to the Brewers losing on, on Tuesday night. Not the only reason they lost. Just a part of it, an entire equation on why the Brewers lost that game. That was certainly part of it. But going after a guy on social media because he doesn't make a play in the outfield, I don't know if there is a worse thing in the world... That's one of the reasons I, at times, you know, social media is a big part of what we do. It's a big part of our business. uh, When you work in the media, and it is very cool because you get to connect with people who listen to you and uh, have good conversations. There's there's a lot of good to social media, but unfortunately, sometimes the bad is so bad that it just outweighs everything else. And fans, and I use that term in air quotes because if you're going after. If you're going after players on social media I'm not really sure if you're actually a fan of that team but the uh, the first down is definitely the fans who have made the decision to go after Trent Grisham personally on social media strike two the wild card game just the format of it the single game uh, it it does leave a hole in your heart if you are the team that lost because it's one game it's just a uh, it's just one game now I'm not totally against it. It gives a great advantage to teams that win their division, and winning your division should be special. It was born out of the idea of why should the wildcard team have basically the same advantages as division winners. So it creates an advantage for division winners because you are guaranteed a series, where if you don't win your division, you're not guaranteed a series. And from a very surface-level place, that makes sense uh, from a fan standpoint, nationally, if you don't have a, if you don't have a, you know, a, a dog in the fight, it's great because you have that game seven feeling in a single game. But for fans of the teams, it stinks if you lose. Oakland A's fans, it stinks. And to hear the apologetic nature of the comments that were coming out of the Oakland Clubhouse last night, and even for the Brewers not even getting a home game in the postseason, uh, there's definitely negatives to the wild card game when you are rooting for a team that is in it and ends up losing. Strike three, you're out! Yeah, the one issue that I thought was the biggest issue that the Brewers had throughout the entire course of the season came back to bite them. Uh, it's, it's real easy to say Josh Hader had a bad night. That's why the Brewers ended up losing. We talked about the Trent Grisham play. If I'm going to take something that I feel like is the downfall of the Brewers in that game and really throughout the entire season as well, it was hitting with runners in scoring position. They go 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. They got those three runs really early in the game, and then it was zero after zero after zero after zero. They just could not come up with the proverbial big hit. And so much conversation during the year of do the Brewers rely too much on the home run ball. It was uh, that game, that wild card game, became a microcosm of the season that they score their runs on home runs, and then they cannot get a hit with runners in scoring position. That's who they were all season long. And it is who they are in the wild card game and so what results in their season coming to an end. That is today's edition of Who's Up, Who, or Three Up, Three Down, not Who's Up, Who's Down, although we could have done that too. That is today's edition of Three Up, Three Down. If you want to join us, you can do so. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. It's the Ancuent Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet as well at Matt Pauly on air. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on with the program, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. It is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. By the way... Cardinals do take a 1-0 series lead on the Braves. They were able to complete the 7-6 win in Atlanta. So they reclaim, or they claim, I guess you could say, home field advantage because games three and four potentially would be in St. Louis right now, bottom of the second inning. And the Dodgers are leading the Nationals 1-0. Had the Brewers won on Tuesday night, that is the game that they would be uh, playing in. Although that game was going to get started... the game was going to get started one hour earlier if it was the Nationals, and it was going to get started one hour later if it was the Brewers. So if the Brewers would have won, uh, we would just be coming up, I think, maybe on uh, the start time of that game, or maybe we would start. I don't know. Anyways. 414 799 1620. 414 1620 is the Yankee Mortgage Talk and text line. You could tweet in as well at Matt Pauly on air. Uh, let's go to the phones. Doug is in Baraboo, has given us a call. Hi, Doug, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hey, good evening, Matt. Uh, yeah, I was really hoping for one more game, at least Sunday. But, uh, say, thanks for all your shows. Uh, I, I don't think you missed a holiday or any of the West Coast late. Uh, nope. Uh, extra Did Indian everyone. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. them all. Very good. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a, a hole for uh, for me, my program for the winter. No Brewers warm-up, no Brewers games no extra innings and then of course we don't have sports central anymore so at least we have rumors weekly so that that's cool but uh just one thing about the last game and then i got a couple other items but uh that, the last game i was just hoping that uh we were going to see lyle i i i wanted to see the situation what the nationals did with uh scherzer and and strasburg but uh, that's whatever the way it worked out um, just a couple things from the from the season though um, I I was at several games and uh one of the emotional games was when Jimmy Nelson came back uh from his injury and, and pitched I think it was an afternoon game if I remember right, and the ovation and the tipping of his cat and every, cap and everything that was that was pretty neat. And then of course uh, a lighter moment was when Moose hit the car out there in uh the mm-hmm. center field or whatever and the fan got the uh you know, the free car. But you know, I wonder who, if the Brewers have any say in the in the schedule, because, you know, we we open with the Cubs, which is really weird. We're going to have a sellout anyway. And then they have an off day, which normally that is set up for when you have a, a bad weather or something. Right. And they can't play. And we have a roof. So I don't know if Major League is looking at that or if the Brewers have a saying, but, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know if you have any information on that, but
1: uh, I'll be there. The no, 26th. Doug. <laughs> yeah, Doug. I appreciate the phone call. A little bit on the scheduling stuff. So, a, I, I'm sure the Brewers when they them getting the Cubs scheduled as the first game of the season cost the Brewers money because that is as as Doug alluded to. Opening day is guaranteed to be a sellout. Most Cub games are sellouts. So you're taking two sellout crowds potentially and you're putting them into one game. So that's that, that stinks. I don't know what the process is like with Major League Baseball. I know that you know, teams, if there's big events going on in the city or something like that, they can say to Major League Baseball, hey, we'd rather not be home during this period, or, hey, we'd rather be at home during this period. You can make requests to the schedule makers. They don't have to follow the request, but you can make those requests. I also know a tentative schedule generally goes out to teams prior to the actual schedule being released, so I have to believe that when that tentative schedule got released, if there is a process for teams to say, hey, can we tweak this, I got to think the Brewers maybe would have said, can we not have the Cubs? as as the opening and then the other thing that uh, Doug mentions yeah a lot of times when teams have those off days on the second day of the season it's in the markets where you might have bad weather so if you have opening day rained out snowed out whatever out uh you have that you've got that next day where you can still do all your opening day festivities why they would do that with um with with uh, Miller Park with a roof I don't know and then the last thing, and I, I've mentioned this before, but since I'm on a roll, let's, let's go with it here. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate the fact that there's going to be Fridays that are off. Now, from like a personal standpoint, having Fridays off, hey, I can take my wife to dinner on a Friday night in the middle of the baseball season. That's nice, but not about me. About baseball, the game of baseball, what you should and should not be doing in no world should you ever not be playing on Friday nights. Baseball has an attendance problem. Baseball had a huge attendance drop last year, and then it went down even further this year, and you're going to give some teams Fridays off where they're going to be playing the next Tuesday? Give me a break. Now the reason there's some Fridays off is because going into this past season, they open up the season a little bit earlier to create more off days in the, in the course of the season. But if you're going to create more off days, you can be smart enough to create an off day on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Monday, on a Thursday. Friday off days are stupid, and they're bad for baseball. Uh, I, there's a there's a 30 for 30, I believe, uh, about the, the folks who used to do the scheduling for uh, for baseball. I believe it was a couple who their job was to create the Major League Baseball schedule. I think in the last few years, Major League Baseball moved away from them. And since they moved away from them... They have not been as good. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. It's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley, on air. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I think the biggest question going into the offseason, and it's the question I hear the most, without a doubt, the, the number one question I've already been receiving, and here for a while, is what's going to happen with the Brewers and Mike Moustakis, and what's going to happen with the Brewers and Yasmani Grandal. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't have much of an answer. I'll say this. The reason those two guys were Brewers this year was because of the slow market this past offseason, and really each of the last two offseasons. Baseball's got a problem when it comes to the offseason, free agency, teams being willing to spend money, veteran players getting jobs, baseball seeing younger players as the cheap alternative, uh, teams not willing to commit long-term to players. It's a problem for baseball, but quite honestly, the Brewers have been able to take advantage of it because – they've been able to offer those guys a substantial amount of money for a one year sort of deal and Milwaukee is a it's a good place to play you're playing in front of fans every night it's a good culture it's a good atmosphere it's a good dugout players like playing for Craig Council. like there's a lot of positives so if you can come make a few bucks in Milwaukee that it's a good thing to do so that's what happened with Yesmani Grandal as he was able to he did not have the interest that he thought that he was going to have last year. And he ends up signing a one-year deal with the Brewers. You know, he turned down the qualifying offer from the Dodgers last year. And if you don't know what the qualifying offer is, uh, teams can offer their free agents a what is termed the qualifying offer. And it's a certain amount of money. And it's based off the average value of a certain level of contracts. And you can offer that. It's a one-year deal. And if the player turns that down, then the team who ends up signing that player has to give draft pick compensation to the team that lost that player. And over the last couple years, we have seen players turn down the qualifying offer and then end up signing a one-year deal for less money than they would have made on the qualifying offer because they they thought they would get a multi-year deal, they thought they would get more money than the qualifying offer, and they didn't. What the Brewers did with Yasmani Grandal is they offered him just to tick over the qualifying offer. So Grandall didn't lose money on the deal and just like that, he's in Milwaukee. So the question on Grandal and Mustakis, as much as it and the Brewers can afford them. The, I, I believe the Brewers can afford them. I think uh, they'd be willing to expand and, and stretch out payroll even a little bit more than they have already, and they've done a great job in spending more money and, and pushing the payroll to where it was this past season. If, there is a, if there's a number that makes sense, I could definitely see either one of those guys back in, in, in a very rare circumstance, maybe both. But if they're going to go get offered multi-year deals from other organizations with big money attached to those multi-year deals, that's where I think you get in trouble in terms of not being able to bring them back. So if the market plays out this offseason the same way the market has played out each of the last two seasons, where it's a very slow market and teams do not seem willing to spend money on veteran players, especially on longer-term contracts, as much as that stinks and as much as that is a problem for baseball, I think it also turns into an advantage for the Brewers in who they are able to bring back in with the possibility of bringing back Uh, a grandal and or a moustakas 414-799-1620 414-799-1620 it's the acudate mortgage talk and text line a lot of people are complaining about josh Hader being used in the eighth inning on tuesday night was it a valid complaint we'll talk about it during going deep that's next it's brewers weekly on wtmj this is brewers weekly on wtmj 414-799-1620, that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauly on air, if you want to join us between 9 o'clock and when we get done. uh, Should be noted for you, we will continue on with this program. Now, if there is a uh, Bucks game on a Thursday night, Uh, If there's some other pressing need on a Thursday night, maybe we'll be preempted here and there. But for the most part, we will continue to come your way with Brewers Weekly every Thursday from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock here on WTMJ. Let's go deep.
0: Whether the Brewers are winning or losing, a player is on a hot streak or slumping, there's always a reason why. Here's this week's in-depth look at the current state of the Brewers as we go
1: deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! You know, something caught me off guard on Tuesday night. The fan reaction. There were some things, there was actually a few things that caught me off guard, to be perfectly honest with you. Some complaints about uh, the way things went in the game. But the thing that caught me most off guard was the complaints that Josh Hader was being used in the eighth inning. A guy who was an all-star, a guy who did have a down period at one point in the year, but anybody who claims that Hader went into the postseason on a bad run would be incorrect. He did not have the greatest performance in his last outing before the playoffs. That was that Saturday night in Colorado. But prior to that, in uh, 16 of his previous outings, he had 15 without giving up a run. So he was on a pretty solid hot streak going into the postseason. But the issue that people had for whatever reason was that Hader was in in the 8th inning and not the ninth inning. Why would Craig Council ever put Josh Hader in in the 8th inning? Now my only explanation for this, and I'm not trying to be a jerk when I say this, but my only explanation for people saying this is quite simply they weren't paying attention to the 162-game regular season They hopped on the train now that the playoffs were underway and their idea of a conventional closer is a one-inning closer. So not having any clue how the Brewers operated throughout the course of the season, they got indignant about Josh Hader being used in the eighth inning. That is my only explanation for why that many people could have been thinking that. Here's some numbers for you. So Hader this year appeared in 61 games. 23 of those games, he pitched more than one inning. I know it's not more than half, but it's also not nothing either. In about 38% of his appearances, he got more than three outs. So it's not like he didn't do that. Now let's break down those numbers a little bit. In those 23 games, where he got more than three outs, where he pitched more than an inning, his ERA was 1.29. 1.29 in games where he got more than one inning of work. His ERA overall for the season was 2.62. So his ERA in innings of more than one or more than uh, three out appearances, 1.29 is better. Now, before you say, well, you're spinning the numbers, Matt. Oh, let's let's, let's look at that for a second. Sure, there's, there's some spin that's automatically going to go along with that because if he gives up runs in his first inning of work, there's a pretty good chance that he's not coming out for a second inning. And conversely, if he's really good in his first inning, there's more of a chance that he comes out for a second inning. So, of course, the ERA is going to be better in multiple inning outings, just because you have to be pitching good enough to get that second inning, right? Okay. But it's still 1.29. It's still a 1.29 ERA when he was responsible for more than 3 outs. The innings where he only where he went 3 outs or less, his ERA was actually above 5 in those games. Again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before because you're not going to pitch that extra inning. You're not going to come back out when you're not pitching well. But the numbers clearly state that Josh Hader, pitching more than, more than three outs, two innings, two and a third innings, two and two third innings, he's pretty good at that. And it's one of his best strengths that he is not the conventional one-out closer. He can give you multiple innings. So if you don't think he should have been in there in the eighth inning, and I say this knowing that he did not perform well, But he did not perform well because he was pitching in the eighth inning. He didn't perform well because he had an off night. And every player has an off night. And Josh Hader picked a night where his off night was a contributing factor to the season coming to an end. That is this week's edition of Going Deep, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. The post-mortem of the season does continue. 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program, at Matt Pauley on air. Let's go back to the phones. we got Karen, who's in Illinois. Hi, Karen. You're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, madam Um. You already addressed my question about Grandal and Moustakas, so I will get to the main point. Um, Thank you so much for your shows this season, and thank you to your dear wife and sweet baby for sharing you with us. Um, It's been a joy, like Doug from Baraboo, I feel like there's kind of a hole, and I'm going to miss this. But um, mainly, I just wanted to say thank you.
1: Oh, that is incredibly nice of you. Thank. I, I'm the lucky one. I get to talk about baseball and talk to people like you on a nightly basis.
3: Well, um, really, I think Brewer Nation is grateful for you.
1: Oh, well, that's. Uh, I, I'm blushing right now. Thank you for those nice words. Bye. You see 799 four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the AccuNet mortgage tech uh, talk and text line check is in the mail as well there that was nice that was really nice that that uh that gave me all the feelings right there, so thank you Karen uh Tom and Waukesha and i I don't have time to do this right now, maybe I could try to do this on our next show, so Tom and Waukesha because I was given all those numbers on- on hater, he says, your argument on hater doesn't hold water. I'm not critical of using hater in the eighth. He had a bad night, but you have the stats. What was his ERA for outings when he came in before the ninth? That would be a more accurate measure. I'd have to run through the the box scores and see when he came in on, on every game. Clearly, if he's pitching more than one inning, all the numbers that I just included would have been part of it. Now, there also would have been some outings where maybe he did not perform so well in the eighth inning, never got to the ninth inning, and that would be part of it as well. So, Tom, I see what you're saying right there, and it's a, it, I, I can't argue with your point because I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. So all I can tell you is uh, when I've got some time to – Go through his. I literally would have to go to every single game that he performed in and looked at the box score and figured out when he came into the game to do that. So that is a that is a timely task. It took me enough time to uh, figure out all the numbers that I figured out uh, earlier. Uh, but that Tom Vaut valid, valid response to uh, to to what I said there. I think the numbers are still going to be pretty good because all because the the numbers that I'm already looking at are part of that. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, there would be some other games that would be part of it as well, where maybe he came in in the eighth inning, did not perform well, and then didn't see the ninth. I don't think there were that many of those type games, though. So, Tom, I think I'll still be uh, – I think my argument will still hold water. It will be just a little bit tweaked. Uh, Mitch in Sturgeon Bay saying, got to think it's going to be harder for the Brewers to re-sign Yasmani Grandal. A catcher that hits 25 plus home runs two seasons in a row may draw more widespread interest. Sure, I, the age is part of it though too, because he is—he's uh, 30. He's going to be 31 before the start of next season. He caught a lot this year. Yeah, you know, there's some baseball pundits out there that actually kind of point to the fact that he was only under a one-year deal with the Brewers, so they felt more comfortable just riding him and riding him hard behind the plate because they did. Um. Yeah, but look, he's gonna. I think he's gonna get a multi-year offer. I don't think he's gonna get a four-year offer. I think three is probably the mo- most he would go, and maybe it's two. If he gets some two-year offers and he's comfortable with two-year offers, I would have to think the Brewers would be right there. If you're giving him a three-year offer, you're you're taking him into his 34-year age uh, season uh, as a catcher. Uh, that's that that's a dangerous proposition. Uh, and, and I don't know if you want to do that or not. 414-799-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line. You can tweet in at Matt Pauly on air. We continue on with Brewers Weekly in just a moment on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Pauly on WTMJ. A few more moments to get in here if you want to do so. 414-799-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pawley on air. Mike in Colorado. Texting in, I've moved on for the 2019 season and the loss against Washington, disappointing as it was, but in retrospect, the loss was so typical of so many of the killer losses that they incurred this year, so I wasn't crushed. In 2020, they need a closer to compliment Hayter. He was good. Um, uh, so, yeah, they're going to have Corey Knable back next year. I think, I, I've said this a lot, and I'm not just trying to repeat myself over and over, but... It's important. Last year, they had Josh Hader. They used him in multi-innings. Sometimes those multi-innings meant he was going to cover the eighth and ninth. Sometimes he was covering the seventh and eighth. Uh, things like that. he was there was a lo- there was more fluidity on where they could use him because if he's not covering the ninth inning, you had Corey Knebel, and even if Corey Knebel wasn't available, you had an all-star in Jeremy Jeffers. You just didn't have that. So to make Hader his strongest, and he's always going to get saves for you. There's going to be days he's available, and he's going to come pitch the eighth and ninth inning. But to have Corey Knebel back, to have a strong back end bullpen with multiple options, uh, that makes the team better. That makes Hader better. And all of a sudden, he, he was he wasn't completely out of position this year, but there were aspects to him that wasn't uh, what weren't totally with uh, what he is best at doing. Uh, David Stearns, he uh, spoke with the Wisconsin Morning News show this morning. Had some interesting things to say. Wanted to play for you. That Tampa-Oakland game was very similar in a lot of ways to the Brewers-Nationals game. Except for the eighth inning. It was really the only thing that wasn't the same. Brewers 360, sponsored by Wasco Windows and Winnegar Compressor. Every Thursday you hear from him, it's the general manager of your Milwaukee Brewers, David Stearns. And David, that eighth inning, did you swear as much as we did? Yeah, like those are
3: those are tough. Those are tough moments to take for anyone. Whether you're playing the game, whether you're a coach or a manager of the dugout, a, a front office member watching, or a fan, those are those are the gut wrenching moments um, of uh, uh, of being associated in any capacity with professional sports. It, in many ways, is what makes um the the great moments so great and and on occasion you got to deal with uh with the tough moments as well
0: david what are you most proud of from this season
3: i'm I'm proud of a a group that when everyone counted the team out the the team really rallied around each other to to go on a a really special run galvanize the city once again um make it back to the playoffs uh in back-to-back years, for only the second time in the history of this organization, and, and that's something we should all be proud of.
0: David, I know the goal for you guys is always to win the World Series, and you, you ultimately come up short of that. But how do you assess the success? Uh, assess the success of the season, all things considered, with the injuries, with some underperformances from guys that performed uh, better the previous year. How do you assess all that, and, and you know, interpret success?
3: I think our, our goal every year coming into a season is. Is to consistently compete for for playoff spots, for division championships, um, to get into the playoffs, and, and ultimately consistently compete for for World Series titles. And uh, we were able to do that this year. So I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Uh, certainly, I'm disappointed um, in how it ended. Uh, I'm disappointed that it ended. I think whenever you, you end up playing your last game, unless you're winning your last game, uh, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow. But I'm certainly very proud of, of the effort that the organization as a whole put forth this year.
1: How's Trent doing? Trent Grisham. I know that was really rough there for him, and we've heard that you know, people haven't been very kind on social media. How's he doing?
3: Well, yeah, I think that, that's a really tough moment for a professional athlete, and, and Trent's given so much to this team this year. There's no way uh, we're anywhere close to this spot without his contributions. He had an absolutely phenomenal year. Um, I think he, he took that moment very hard. Uh, I also think that um, he's got a lot of support around him. He's got uh, teammates in an organization who understand what he means to us, um, and we certainly expect him to, to come back in a really good place next year.
0: David, is it too early to have given thought to what you guys need to address this off season, or have you started thinking forward?
3: You know, th- those preliminary preparations for us really begin as far back as August. Um, now that uh, the the 2019 season has has ended for us, we can devote our full attention to preparing for 2020, and we'll see how the off season unfolds. I, I imagine uh, in a variety of ways, it's going to be a, a a busy off season for us, and so we'll have an opportunity to continue to improve the team, improve the organization, and I'm certainly hopeful that's what we'll be able to do.
0: Looking back, do you have a particular favorite moment from this season?
3: I, I, I don't know. I think, um, I think we had a couple of, of moments where we really stepped up and, and, and played really really good baseball. I think the, the second game in Wrigley, I think it was August 30th, was a really important game for us. Um, I think the, the three games at the Cubs uh, at home after we lost the first one um, were really important games. The, the Christian Alex walk-off double, probably one of the more electrifying moments of the season. Obviously, running in bronze, um, two out, two strikes, ninth inning grand slam in, in St. Louis is one that will probably live on for, for a really long time in, in Brewer's memory and Brewer's history. So those are probably the, the moments that, that jump out right now to me. But as, as a whole, I'm just proud of it, the effort that the entire organization put forth that, that allowed us to, to get to the playoffs and, and hopefully sets us up for another run next year.
0: Well, David. Last thing for you. I know you're an analytics guy. I have a number for you, and that number is 132. That's the amount of days until pitchers and catchers report. So get to work, and we'll talk to you real soon.
3: That sounds good to me. I can spend some time with your family now that the season's and done, and put your daughter's sock away for for a season. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Brewers Absolutely. general manager David Stearns, we're big fans of yours, Mr. Stearns. Well done on a on a season that ended a little too short for everybody, but still, you do good work. Thank
3: you very much. I appreciate
1: it. David starts this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. Real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Trent Grisham was emotional after making that play. Tears on his face being consoled by his teammates. What does he do? He, he takes every question, answers it, looks you in the eye. Man, that, that that's pretty cool. Not, not that the play happened, but his re- response to it, really cool. That's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Weekly. We will continue to be with you on Thursday nights unless there is a Bucks game. Talk to you again real soon. Thanks for being tuned in to Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ.